You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. a lesson in everything. So many times the enemy tries to knock you down and sometimes when your butt hits the ground, you got to push up by your arms and get back up and do it again. Push back. That's it, sis. Push back. Don't stay down. Don't stay down. This is how this works. This is how this works. I'm not giving up. I'm sitting here, I'm talking, they say, I know things just shut off. I'm like, okay, next device, because they all charged up. Come on now, I got like about, I got a few of them in here. I got like two, three, let me see, four, five. I got like six devices in here. Let's keep on going. I'm going to keep on, everything's charged up. Everything's functioning properly. No, I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. This is a battle, Evan. We got to know. When you're doing, when you're about your father's business, you cannot give up. That's it, sis. You come to the battle prepared. My other sister said you don't stay down. No matter what, you don't stay down. You get up. And I don't care if you're of little strength. You get back up because all you have to do is stand. That's your job. Your job is simply to stand. That's it. That's all you have to do is stand. And the enemy, the uh, God, I'm sorry, and God, he will fight for you. He will fight for you. We always stand in victory. If I'm standing, there's victory. That's all that matters. If I'm in the room, there is victory in that room because I'm in the room. And you got to know that about yourself. If I'm in the room, there's victory in the room. If I'm in the room, there's there may be a fight in the room, but there's also victory. If I'm in the room, there may be sickness, but I, there's healing now that I walked in there. If I'm in the room, come on, you got to know the difference that you make. You got to know the difference that the God in you makes. Do not give up. Do not forfeit. Don't forfeit. We're turning a corner here. And I'm going to tell you something. It's not going to be easy to turn this corner. This, things like this are going to happen. You're going to get halfway around the corner and you're going to swear you was going in the right direction and find out that you're on the wrong street. What are you going to do? Give up and go home? Or are you going to reset your GPS and find the right street that you're supposed to be on? You can't give up. You can't give up. It don't matter what happened. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. You cannot give up. Don't ever give up. Always come. Always come battle ready. Always come battle ready. Amen. Always come battle ready. Always, always, always. So we were talking again. And I'm just going to keep picking it up. We were talking again about that sword and how that long pole is basically protecting from the enemy. But that sharp edge of the sword, that round end is enough if you know how to wield it, that you can swing it out and you can decapitate the enemy. You can cut the enemy's limbs off. And this is a thing. 
that John was warning us of when John was referring, because remember, this is John's description. This is his description of um, of Christ. And what he, was what he was warning the church of is that Christ is coming. And when he comes, when he was referring to him and this as this with this description, he's saying he's coming to cut. He's coming to cut out the disease. He's coming to cut it up. However, however, if you if you repent, if there's repentance there, if there's repentance there, there's also a promise there. Verse 13 says in chapter 2, I know where you live. It says, I know where you live. But get this, he says, where Satan has his throne. And this is the amplified version. I know where you live. He's telling his church, I know where you live. You live where Satan has his throne. But get this, yet you remain true to my name. How do you live where Satan has his throne, but yet you are true to the name, the name, the name only now, the name of Christ, the name of Christ. Come on, we're going to keep going because I'm going to explain that to you. You, it says, as we continue, you did not renounce your faith in me. So you didn't renounce, they didn't renounce Christ. This church, Pergamos, did not renounce Christ. They did not renounce him. And it says, not even in the days of Antipas. You still didn't renounce me. He was my faithful witness who was put to death in your city where, he keeps telling them, Satan lives. Let's be clear. I know who you are and I know where you live. And then verse 14 says, nevertheless, nevertheless, I have a few things against you. And we heard that before. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Now listen to this. He says to them, there are some among you who hold the teaching of Balaam. You hold the teaching of Balaam who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so that they ate food that was sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality. And let's talk about that for a moment. So you're holding, you, there are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam. What was it that they were holding on to? They were holding on to serving God without loving him. That's what they were taught through Balaam. They were holding on to seeking their own will for their own ends just to keep out of the punishment of Christ. They were holding on to seeking their own will, their own will and their own ends. But yet they were trying to stay out of the punishment of Christ. This is starting to sound familiar, isn't it? We're going to keep on going. The, 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 the teaching of Balaam, they, were, they had no desire to submit, to submit to the will of God. None at all. No desire to submit. None at all. No desire to be subservient. Not even to God's will. No desire at all. The doctrine of Balaam was one that had no love. It was all about duty. 
It was all about my job. It was all about my work in ministry, but it had nothing to do with loving God. I'm going to work for God. I'm going to, I'm going to do the work of God, but I am not going to love God. So they had literally detached the love of God from the work of God. How exactly do you do the work of God without the love of God? How exactly are you about your father's business, but you don't love the father God? You love a different father. And the work that you're about is not father God, but father Satan. That's how. That's how you do not love God, but still do the work. See, remember, they never did leave God. They never did disown him. They wouldn't let that come out of their mouths. But they understood, and, and it's being exposed to them right now. If they didn't understand, you live where Satan lives. That's where you live. When you don't live in the presence of God, then you live where Satan lives. You live where Satan lives. When you are not, when you are considering yourselves to be about the work of your father, but you do not love the Lord Jesus Christ, then the father that you're working for is Satan. And your father that you love is Satan. There was no obedience to any type of parental Figures. There was no obedience to any types of parental figures because they were determined to not be punished. So I will not submit. I will not submit. I will not even draw nigh to a parental figure because I do not want to be disciplined. This, these are the practices of Balaam. I have no desire for a parental figure because I have no desire to submit to one. I have none. I desire to work in the church to and appear as if I'm working for the Lord Savior, Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But the truth of the matter is I don't even love God. I love the Father Satan. That's who my father is and that's who I love and ultimately that is who I work for. They had no sense of obligation, no cares of eternal life, no regard for God or God's request or God's law, none at all. These are, this was the teaching of of Balaam. We've heard about it throughout many scriptures. Acts 15 and 20, it says, but should write to them to abstain from the things that are polluted by idols, idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled by blood, but not in Balaam. Not in Balaam. We weren't abstaining for anything because it was all about what I want. It's all about what I feel like I need. And I want to work in the church. I want to appear to be about the Lord's business, but I don't even love him. I don't even love 
him. 1 Corinthians, they talked about it when he said in 10 and 25, well, eat whatever is sold in the meat market. Don't raise question about that. The earth is the Lord's in the fullness there are. But when the unbeliever invites you to dinner, you, you're supposed to go, you know, eat whatever is set before you. But if someone tells you that this has been offered as a sacrifice, you don't eat that. But they didn't, they... Being being a uh, being a um, a believer in the worship of Balaam, your belief told you I will eat whatever I want. I don't care if it's sacrificed to idols. I don't care if that's not of my if that's not of my uh, dietary you know concern concerns or need. I'm not do I'm doing what I want. It's about what I want. It's about what makes my flesh happy. See, because I can still go, I don't have to deny Christ. I can still go to the church house and I can still serve in the church. I can even be the leader. I can still serve in the church. I can even be the leader, but I have no intention, no intention of being submitted. I have no intention of being subservient, subservient to not only to a parental figure, but to God himself. No desire, not even in my plans. Paul, Peter describes them like this in 2 Peter 2 and 15. And he says, they have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, the son of Bezer, who loved the wages of wickedness, the wages of wickedness. And th this is what has been decided. This is what has been decided in Jude 1, 5 to 11. Now listen to this. Jude says, though you already know this, though you already know this, I want to remind you that the Lord at one time delivered his people out of Egypt, but later he did destroy those who didn't believe. And the angels, the ones who didn't keep, didn't keep their positions of authority, but abandoned their proper dwelling, these he kept in darkness bound with everlasting chains for judgment and the great day. He's trying to tell them you're not going to get away with this in a similar way. He's giving them examples. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns, they gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire in the very same way on the strength of their dreams. These ungodly People pollute their own bodies. They reject authority and they heap abuse on celestial beings. But even the archangel, even Michael, when he disputed with the devil about the body of Moses, did not himself dare to condemn him for slander, but said, the Lord rebuke you yet. Verse 10 said, these people slander whatever they do, whatever they do not understand. And the very things they do understand by instinct, they treat that like an animal would. They destroy it. They destroy it. And that will destroy them. That will destroy them. Verse 11, it says, woe to them. They have taken the way of Cain. They have rushed for profit into Balaam's 
error. They have been destroyed by Korah's rebellion. He is basically summing up, in my view, Balaam. This is what it looks like. Don't think you're going to get away. Sodom and Gomorrah didn't get away. The angels that left their position, they didn't get away. There is no way to circumvent the 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 uh the repercussion of your decision to follow your own will, your own will. There is a repercussion for following your own will, your own will with no repentance. You have no desire to follow God. You have no desire, no desire at all to submit to the will and the purpose of God, then I'm thinking you sound a little bit like, let's go to verse 15. Likewise, you also have those who hold the teachings of the Nicolaitans. You also hold, you have those who hold their teaching. Now we have two things going on in this church. We have two things going on. It's like one has escalated into the next. So if parts of the Nicolaitan's belief system didn't agree with you, you could take that and you could expand upon it with Balaam. So if it wasn't enough for you to separate the flesh from the spirit, and feel as though I can do what I want to do in the flesh, in the flesh, as long as I stay uh, committed to God in the spirit, in, in other words, as long as I pray, as long as I read the scriptures in that day, I can still stay connected to God. If you didn't want to stay connected to God, then let's take it a step further. Let's go to Balaam now. Let's go to Balaam now. See, because I don't want to, I don't want to stay connected to God, but let, next step, I want to look like I am. I want to appear to be. So if, since I don't want to, since I don't even, since I, not only do I want to do what I want to do in my flesh, I don't even want to stay connected to God. Next step, let's go to Balaam. Because if I, if I operate in, in what Balaam says, then that means that I can look like it and now I don't have to stay connected. That's a load off my shoulder. I don't have to be connected at all. As long as I can maintain what we talked about last week, the image. I need to be able to maintain the image of appearing to be connected. I need to be able to do the work of Satan, but look like I'm doing the work of Christ. You know, because Christians don't read their Bibles anyway. So I can just look like I'm doing the work of Christ. That's it, baby. A form of godliness. I can just look like I'm doing the work of Christ. I can present as, a, as I'm working for the kingdom, but I have no desire. I have no desire to have that power. I have no desire to be a part of the kingdom of God. I have no desire to be obedient to God or anything or anyone that looks like God. I have no desire to be a part of anything that resembles the true and living God. No desire to be a part or even um, submit myself, my flesh, my will to holiness. I have no desire to do that. None at all. Verse 16 says, repent therefore. Repent therefore. Otherwise, I will come to you and I will fight against them with the sword of 
my mouth. And remember how I told you the sword that we're referring to, the power of this sword. If you, I'm just giving you a visual, that thing can grab and it can decapitate you. That thing can grab and those hands that were working can cut them right off. That, that thing can grab and that head, that head that is out of order and will not submit I cut you right off. It will cut you right off. We as Christians, as leaders in the Christian communities that we serve must realize that there is a cost to our disobedience and deep disobedience. And while the people while the people might not see you, know this, God does. And he discerns the inner workings of the heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows your true intent. He knows your true desires. And he will. He will. And he's saying, I am. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming. And when I come, he's saying, when I come, I'm going to fight against you with the sword of my mouth. And remember, we described the sword, but we also said we're talking about the sword is coming out of his mouth, but so does his words. So his words are going to come out his mouth and decapitate that head. His words are going to come out of his mouth that are going to decapitate the hands of that person that thinks that they're going to do the will of Satan in the house of God and not love God. They're going to do the work of Satan in the house of God with no love for God, but they're going to love Satan in God's house and work Satan's work in God's house. You need to understand that God said, oh no, you're not because I'm coming for you. And when I come for you, I'm coming with my two-edged sword. And he's saying, verse 17, whoever has ears, if you got ears, you better hear. You better hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, to the one who is victorious. I'm going to give them, he says, hidden manna. And that is concealed food of the blessed. I'm going to give them concealed food of the blessed. I will also give that person, he says, a white stone with a new name, with a new name written on it. And then what he's saying here is, see back in the back in this time in the court system, your judgment came down and it was a it was a black pebble, meaning you were convicted, or it was white meaning you were acquitted. So what he's saying here, I'm coming with a white stone. I'm going to acquit you. I'm going to free you from the charges of the enemy. And then he said, and not only that, I'm going to give you a new name. And he said, and see a new name here, that's for one's new rank. That's for one's new authority. And he says, it's only going to be known to the one who receives it. It's only going to be known to you you, the things that you have suffered. So he knows your heart. And he said, you're what I'm going to give you this name. I'm going to give you this name. Only you're going to know it. See this, this hidden manna that he's giving you, it's, it's concealed today, but he said, whoever has ears and who can hear me and is victorious, I'm going to give you that thing that you can't see today, that concealed thing. I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you that manna and manna here is kept is something that's kept by the Ark of the Covenant. It's symbolic of what's in heaven. It's food that angels eat. 
It's food that the blessed eat. So I'm going to start serving you what I serve my angels. I'm going to acquit you. I'm going to change your name and I'm going to serve you. I'm going to serve you the food that I feed my angels. I'm going to change. I'm going to completely change who, who you are, he's saying here. See, because you got to understand, in, in, this, in this particular city, it was known for its pagan practices. It was known for this. And see, this letter is really to those that are being faithful, understand, even with the, all the pagan influences around, for those of you that are being faithful, he's telling them their reward. If you're willing to be faithful, I'm, he's telling you your reward. I'm going to change your name and I'm going to feed you with the same food that I feed my angels is what he's telling them. Let me tell you, it doesn't it sound a lot like the world today because this is a world today that has many, many different pagan influence, many different influences, even, even to the extent in this scripture here where they talk about Balaam and where they talk about the Nicolaitans, all of their belief systems exist today. They exist today in a graduated, even more graduated form. Come on, you know, we know that when we look at Balaam, when we look at just Balaam itself, we understand that we have definitely seen those in the church that are seeking their own will. But they say they're a Christian, but everything's about them. Everything is me. Everything is I. Everything is mine. This is my, my, I heard my apostle say yesterday, this is my platform. And everything is mine. Nothing is God's. Nothing is God. Nothing in there. No, you see, you see all the, the, all the, oh my goodness, all the drama and the lights and the dancers and all the, all the extraness in order to hold on to normality and familiarity. You see all of that. You see all of that as a disguise, as a disguise, as an image to say, I am with Christ. It's an image, but it's not true. They don't even love Christ. And all the work that they're doing, all the work in worship, all the work in praise, all the work in the quote-unquote word of God is only that of Satan. It's only work of Satan to slowly move people away, away from God. Move them away from the truth, from the truth. So that's the church of Pergamos. This church was infiltrated with not only the Nicolaitans' belief, but also that of Balaam, okay? So just, just picture those two, two beliefs there that are operating in the church and, and how the letter is written to, to also, not only to... Um, Cut to remind those that are of these two beliefs and walking in them that God is coming and he's going to cut away the cancer from those that have been infected with that cancer. And those that don't want to let it go, then you're getting cut completely away from God's presence. But here also those that remain faithful, those that remain faithful, he says, even with all that was going on, 
all that was happening, he still, he said, you, I'm going to change your name for remaining faithful in this time. For remaining faithful in everything that was happening in this time, I am going to all of the all of the influence of the pagan religions. For you remaining faithful, I am going to change your name, and I am going to feed you with the food that I feed angels. What I'm going to change your name and feed you with the with the food of covenant. I'm going to change your name, and I'm going to feed you with heavenly food, the food of promise. Amen. So now the part that I want to get to. So now I want to tell you, and before I go, I want to tell you which is going to solidify this particular um, church and uh, what God is going to do. I want to paint you a picture. I want to paint for you the picture that God painted for me. So I had a dream and I have many dreams, but this dream I'm going to share with you. This, in this particular dream, I was going into a church. I opened the church doors and I walked in the church. No problem. It was a regular church set up when you walk in and it had the two separate um, rows of chairs. Chairs on this side, chairs to my left, chairs to my right. And then it was an open space in the front and then there was the um, pulpit up front right so I'm walking in you walk in through the door and you have to walk past the ushers you walk through the front and then you sit in your seat there's space right there and then there's the pulpit now when I went to leave the church when I went to, I want you to hear me now okay when I went to leave the church all of a sudden I look down and I see this pit and in the pit is dirt it's just tons of dirt and and in the dirt is snakes it's insects it's mice it's just nasty muddy nasty pit this nasty pit and the way the pit was built i knew that if i tried to step into it that i was going my feet were going to get filthy dirty because it had a little bit of depth to it because it seemed as if the goal of the pit was to get me stuck in it so I stood there and I wouldn't go into the pit. So I looked around at the walls because I'm trying to figure out a strategy. I'm trying to figure out how to get out of that church, how to get out of that church. So I turn around and I hadn't seen it before. Like I said, when I walked in, that pit didn't seem to be there. And then when I turned around and I looked back at the front of the church and there was another pit. So now we're talking two pits. There's the front door, there's a pit, then there's the chairs where the people sit, then there's a pit, and then there's the pulpit. So I go back to the front of the church because I can't believe that there's a pit there and I hadn't seen that pit the first time. So I go look, it's the exact same kind of pit. So I go back. And I'm like, I'm getting out of this church. So I look and on one side of the church is a wall, but on the other side, there's a wall and there's a window. So I literally not climb. I literally in the dream, I literally walked up the wall. I jumped, I grabbed the ledge of the window and then I walked and jumped until I got to the other side of the pit, which put me right smack dab flush against the door. So I got out of the door and I stood 
I just simply stood outside of the door. I went outside and I stood in front of the church and I began to warn people and say, you don't want to go in there. There's a pit there. You're not going to be able to get out. You don't want to go in there. But people, some people turned away, but some people insisted on trying to still get in the church. And believe it or not, I opened the door to look and some of those folks had actually gotten through the pit. However, everything was muddy. Their feet was muddy. They were muddy up to their ankles. But they still walked through and they sat down in the pew and they and they still sat there and they still made their way in. And I was getting frustrated and I was getting aggravated because I didn't understand why everyone wouldn't turn away when I was warning them that there were pits in that church and that they didn't need to go in that church. And here is where God began to explain things to me so that I understood what was actually happening. And I want to explain that to you now. The pit at this point, it represented a type of um, prison because the goal was to hold you in that pit. It was literally a place of of snakes and mice and we understand snakes because we know um genesis we know the scripture talks about the serpent being more crafty than any of the animals we know it talks about he was shrewd more subtle we knew that so the goal was to grab that person and emerge them in that subtlety in that shrewdness in that craftiness that was the goal. But because the pit was only but so deep, it could only go up until like mid, mid, um, mid leg. It didn't even make it all the way up to their knees. It was like almost at the top of the knee, but not that, not that far. It was like maybe right where their calves were. It made it that far. And some people managed to get out. And when I look back, some people were still trying to get out. And that's what was frustrating me. Like, why would you go in there when I told you that that was there? And like I said, some people made it out and made it to their seat, but some people did not. Right. And then I told you that I saw saw rats in there and, and all kinds of critters. And so I looked up the scriptures and it talked in Leviticus 11, 29 to 31 about the unclean animals. It talked about the unclean swarming things, the mole rat, the mouse, the great lizard of any kind. Those were considered unclean. So now we have that if people were to walk through that pit, that they were supposed to be submerged in what was unclean which and what was subtle what was shrewd, what was crafty. They were to be immersed in the enemy's work. But remember, the, the pool, the uh, pool, the pit didn't, they couldn't engulf them. It wasn't deep enough. It wasn't deep enough. So the people were sitting in the in their seats. Again, I look at, I'm looking through the door. I wouldn't go back in and I'm frustrated. And so I'm, 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 I'm aggravated and frustrated and I'm telling God, why are they going back? I'm, if there's a man standing out there and with me and I'm saying, why do they go back in there? I told them not to do that. I told them that, 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 you know, this church is not, they shouldn't go in there. There's a pit there. And then he said, open the door and look again. This is what the man is telling me. So I opened the door and I look again and he said, the first pit was meant to entrap them. And he said, look at the second pit. The second pit is between them and the pulpit. It's, I didn't go see, remember I told you I went and looked at that pit, but I never stepped in either one of them. And he said, the second pit is deeper. He said, however, 
He said, however, there is a, I have put, and this is the man talking to me. He said, I have put a shield of sorts between the people and the pulpit. I have put a shield of sorts between the people and the pulpit. And he said, so if, so if should, he said, I, I put, he said, should the people make it past, make it past the first pit of entrapment and they actually get into the sanctuary, he said, the shield will not allow relationship. He said, the shield will not re allow relationship because the people are going to be sitting there and there's a separation between them and the pulpit. So whatever is being said from the pulpit to the people, the people will not comprehend. Whatever is being said, which is why they were going in, when he said, whatever you were saying, you're trying to say them, they've made up their mind. They're going in. That's why they couldn't hear you. That's why they couldn't hear you. But God began to explain to me. He said, let me tell you, but for those that even made it in, if they, if they can hear my voice, I'm going in and I will minister to my people myself. It doesn't matter what's going on in the pulpit. It doesn't matter what's being said from the pulpit. But he said, if you, my people, can hear me yourself, yourself. I myself am coming to minister unto you. If you can hear me, he said, I will change your name. I will change your name, your name. And I'm going to begin to feed you with manna from my covenant. I'm going to feed you from my covenant promises. I'm going to feed you with the same heavenly manna that I feed my angels. If you can hear me, if you can repent. Nevertheless, don't matter. You made it in. You made it in that church. I didn't want you to do that. I didn't want you to do that. But since you're in there, I'm coming to get you. And if you can hear me, if you can hear me, he said, I'm going to feed you with manna myself. I'm going to feed you with the food that I feed my angels, the heavenly food. I'm going to feed you myself because God is saying it is my will and it is my desire that my people be saved. It is my will and my desire that my people, that they know that they can come to me and I alone, I alone am their redeemer. This is what the church has should have been teaching all alone. You should have been pointing, pastors, you point the people of God to Christ. You should have been pointing them to Christ, not to yourself. But that's okay. God is saying, I got this. I got this. Thank you very much for your help. But know today that you are fired. God is saying, I will teach them myself. I will raise up my people myself. Myself. I am rolling out, God is saying, a new blueprint. I am rolling out a new blueprint. Come on, to my apostles that have been shut down in your homes and you see the church in the state that it's in and they it grieves you. God is saying, I am handing you, I am handing you the blueprint. Open your hands and receive the blueprint. 
open your hands and receive the blueprint. I am giving you the new, my new direction. It's only to my true apostles. It's only to my true. And to the prophets, I'm calling you out the cave. I'm opening the door for you because we have some building to do. We have some building to do. Yes, our apostles, they have the blueprint, but they must stay seated and we will build out the blueprint. I'm opening the door for you now. I'm clearing the pathway for you now. You are free now. You are free now to your man, woman of God, those apostles. You are free now. It's time for us to build out the house of God for the remnant. Folks are going to be coming from far and wide from the streets. You are under the sound of my voice. You will know. You will know when the true come forth. Why? Because God is anointing your ear now, your eyes now, to be able to hear and discern the call of the true men and women of God. You will no longer follow the false. You will no longer be shut down. God is going to begin to teach you himself. He is going to begin to instruct you himself out of his new, out of his new. See, because the old way is much like the law. It has failed. The old ways are much like the law. They have failed. They have failed. God has decided I will teach myself. I will, I will personally distribute my blueprint to the apostles. I will personally distribute my blueprint to the apostles. And I anoint your ears now, if you're under the sound of my voice, to hear, to hear the voice of God. I anoint your hands now to receive, to receive the blueprint that God is doing today, that he's doing today today the new thing that he's doing today prophets i clear the way for you i open the door to the cave i've cleared the pathway for you to come forth and god is going to begin to, to direct you to the true men and women of god the true men and women of god the true apostles see because we're not don't let nobody don't let nobody tell you you're not true because you don't want to prophesy a house in a car don't let nobody tell you that you're not a true prophet or prophetess because you see the, the shortcomings of the church and you're calling them out. No, 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 no. Don't let nobody tell you that the way is clear now. I've planted new bricks for you to walk on. Your pathway is clear. I've swept your way clear. You may come out now. You may come out now. You may come out now. And God is going to begin to direct you to your new home, to your new place, and to the people of God, to the people of God. God is saying today, if you will, if you can hear me, if you can hear me with all, with all that is going on in the world today in the way of false, if you're willing to hear me, come, come sup with me at my table and I'm going to start to feed you with manna from heaven myself. 
I'm going to begin to teach you myself. I'm going to open your eyes so that you'll know the truth from the false. I'm going to open your ears so that you'll be able to hear me and your discernment is going to start to click and the scriptures are going to start to come to you so that you'll know you'll be measuring the words by the scripture, the words that are coming out of the mouth of people by scripture that you'll immediately be able to know if it's true or not. If it's true or not, he's, he's increasing your discernment. He's sharpening, he's sharpening your sword. He's sharpening your sword so that you can begin to cut off that which is not like God. Come on, it's time for the sheep to rise up and recognize the voice, the voice of the true shepherd. Because he's calling unto you today. He's calling unto you today. God, in the name of Jesus, let's pray. God, in the name of Jesus. I thank you for your living word that is sight to our eyes and hearing to our ears and breath to our mouths and to our heart. We thank you, O oh God, that we breathe out your words. We thank you, O oh God, that our heart consumes your coming and consumes your words and consumes your will and consumes your purpose. And we work, God, in your will alone and your purpose alone. Not I, God, but you, but you. Never us, never me, but always you. Always your will be done. Always your kingdom come. I call for your will in the earth realm and I send it throughout the earth realm, God, your will your kingdom, your purpose, your discernment, your hearing, your heart, your mouth, your words, God. I send them throughout the earth realm, God. Shatter, God, the works of the enemy. Shatter, God, the will of the enemy. Shatter, God, the I. Shatter, God, the we. God, your will be done. Help your people, God, to see that nothing will ever be the same. You are ushering in your will yourself. You are ushering in your purpose yourself. And we clear the way for your will to be done and for your kingdom to come in the earth realm as it is in heaven because we need you. Because we need you. Because we need you, God. We lean not to our own understanding, but in all of our ways, God. We depend on you to direct our paths. We depend on you, oh God, to make our way clear. We depend on you, God. We walk in your will and in your purpose. In your purpose, let our hands do your work and your work only. Let our mouths speak your words and your words only. We command our heart to be pliable to your will, to be pliable to your purpose. God, anoint the hands of our apostles today, O oh God, that they would receive, that they would receive your blueprints. Anoint their hands, anoint their understanding, cause every worldly care to be cast aside, cause all every worldly concern to be cast aside, 
but cause them to reach for your will and your purposes only. I command the mouths of the prophets to be open now and their eyes to see and their ears to hear. And I call you forth to proclaim what is the perfect will of Christ. I call you to open your mouth and call into existence the very blueprint, the very build and order of God into the earth realm. We build the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, I pray. I pray. I pray. I pray. I pray. In Jesus' name, your will be done. Amen. I thank you so much for joining me on today. I thank you so much. It was worth the wait. I'm glad you stuck with me. Thank you so much. And I will see you on next Monday at 7 p.m. I'm praying for you. Everyone under the sound of my voice know I am praying for you. My prayers stretch far and wide. And I'm praying for you. Keep me in mind.